This is Chapter Nine of the American Claimant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The American Claimant by Mark Twain. Chapter Nine. The Earl and Washington started on the sorrowful errand, talking as they walked, and as usual. What, Colonel? Seven of them in that hotel, actresses, and all burnt out, of course. Any of them burnt up? Oh no, they escaped. They always do. But there's never a one of them that knows enough to fetch out her jewelry with her. That's strange. Strange. It's the most unaccountable thing in the world. Experience teaches them nothing. They can't seem to learn anything except out of a book. In some cases, there's manifestly a fatality about it. For instance, take uh, what's her name that plays those sensational thunder and lightning parts. She's got a perfectly immense reputation. Draws like a dogfight, and it all came from getting burned out in hotels. Why, how could that give her a reputation as an actress? It didn't. It only made her name familiar. People want to see her play because her name is familiar, but they don't know what made it familiar because they don't remember. First, she was at the bottom of the ladder and absolutely obscure. Wages thirteen dollars a week and find her own pads. Pads. Yes, uh, things to fat up her spindles with, so as to be plump and attractive. Well, she got burnt out in a hotel and lost thirty thousand dollars worth of diamonds. She? Where'd she get them? Goodness knows. Given to her, no doubt, by spoony young flats and sappy old baldheads in the front row. All the papers were full of it. She struck for higher pay and got it. Well, she got burnt out again and lost all her diamonds, and it gave her such a lift that she went starring. Well, if hotel fires are all she's got to depend on to keep up her name, it's a pretty precarious kind of a reputation, I should think. Not with her, and oh, anything but that, because she's so lucky, born lucky, I reckon. Every time there's a hotel fire, she's in it. She's always there, and if she can't be there herself, her diamonds are. Now you can't make anything out of that, but just sheer luck. I never heard of such a thing. She must have lost quarts of diamonds. Quarts? She's lost bushels of them. It's got so that the hotels are superstitious about her. They won't let her in. They think there will be a fire. And besides, if she's there, it cancels the insurance. She's been waning a little lately, but this fire will set her up. She lost sixty thousand dollars worth last night. I think she's a fool. If I had sixty thousand dollars worth of diamonds, I wouldn't trust them in a hotel. I wouldn't either. But you can't teach an actress that. This one's been burnt out thirty-five times, and yet if there's a hotel fire in San Francisco tonight, she's got to bleed again. You mark my words. Perfect ass. They say she's got diamonds in every hotel in the country. When they arrived at the scene of the fire, the poor old earl took one glimpse at the melancholy morgue and turned away his face overcome by the spectacle. He said, It is too true, Hawkins. Recognition is impossible. Not one of the five could be identified by its nearest friend. You make the selection. I can't bear it. Which one had I better? Oh, take any of them. Pick out the best one. However, the officers assured the earl, for they knew him, Everybody in Washington knew him, that the position in which these bodies were found made it impossible that any one of them could be that of his noble young kinsman. They pointed out the spot where, if the newspaper account was correct, 
he must have sunk down to destruction and at a wide distance from this spot they showed him where the young man must have gone down in case he was suffocated in his room and they showed still a third place quite remote where he might possibly have found his death if perchance he tried to escape by the side exit toward the rear the old colonel brushed away a tear and said to hawkins as it turns out there was something prophetic in my fears yes it's a matter of ashes will you kindly step to a grocery and fetch a couple more baskets reverently they got a basket of ashes from each of those now hallowed spots and carried them home to consult as to the best manner of forwarding them to england and also to give them an opportunity to lie in state a mark of respect which the colonel deemed obligatory considering the high rank of the deceased they set the baskets on the table in what was formerly the library drawing-room and workshop now the hall of audience and went upstairs to the lumber-room to see if they could find a british flag to use as a part of the outfit proper to the lying in state a moment later lady rossmore came in from the street and caught sight of the baskets just as old jinny crossed her field of vision she quite lost her patience and said well what will you do next what in the world possessed you to clutter up the parlor-table with these baskets of ashes ashes and she came to look she put up her hands in pathetic astonishment well i never see the like didn't you do it who me glad to goodness it's the first time i sot eyes on em miss polly that's dan'l that old moke is losing his mind but it wasn't dan'l for he was called and denied it there ain't no way to explain that when it's one of these uh, your common currences a body can reckon maybe the cat oh and a shudder shook lady rossmore to her foundations i see it all keep away from them they're his his lady yes your young mars sellers from england that's burned up she was alone with the ashes alone before she could take half a breath then she went after mulberry sellers proposing to make short work of his program whatever it might be for said she when his sentimentals are up he's a numbskull and there's no knowing what extravagance he'll contrive if you let him alone she found him he had found the flag and was bringing it when she heard that his idea was to have the remains lie in state and invite the government and the public she broke it up she said your intentions are all right they always are you want to do honor to the remains and surely nobody can find any fault with that for he was your kin but you are going the wrong way about it and you will see it yourself if you stop and think you can't file around a basket of ashes trying to look sorry for it and make a sight that is really solemn because the solemner it is the more it isn't anybody can see that it would be so with one basket it would be three times so with three well it stands to reason that if it wouldn't be solemn with one mourner it wouldn't be with a procession and there would be five thousand people here i don't know but it would be pretty near ridiculous i think it would no mulberry they can't lie in state it would be a mistake give that up and think of something else so he gave it up and not reluctantly when he had thought it over and realized how right her instinct was he concluded to merely sit up with the remains just himself and hawkins even this seemed a doubtful attention to his wife but she offered no objection for it was plain that he had a quite honest and simple-hearted desire to do the friendly and honorable thing by these forlorn poor relics which could command no hospitality in this far-off land of strangers but his 
he draped the flag about the baskets put some crape on the doorknob and said with satisfaction there he is as comfortable now as we can make him in the circumstances except yes we must strain a point there one must do as one would wish to be done by he must have it have what dear hatchment the wife felt that the house front was standing about all it could well stand in that way the prospect of another stunning decoration of that nature distressed her and she wished the thing had not occurred to him she said hesitatingly but uh, i thought such an honor as that wasn't allowed to any but very very near relations who right you are quite right my lady perfectly right but there aren't any nearer relatives than relatives by usurpation uh, we cannot avoid it we are slaves of aristocratic custom and must submit the hatchments were unnecessarily generous each being as large as a blanket and they were unnecessarily volcanic too as to variety and violence of color but they pleased the earl's barbaric eye and they satisfied his taste for symmetry and completeness too for they left no waste room to speak of on the house front lady rossmore and her daughter assisted at the sitting up till near midnight and helped the gentlemen to consider what ought to be done next with the remains rossmore thought they ought to be sent home with a committee and resolutions at once but the wife was doubtful she said would you send all of the baskets oh yes all all at once to his father oh no by no means think of the shock no one at a time break it to him by degrees would that have that effect father yes my daughter remember you are young and elastic but he is old to send him the whole at once might well be more than he could bear but mitigated one basket at a time with restful intervals between he would be used to it by the time he got all of him and sending him in three ships is safer anyway on account of wrecks and storms i don't like the idea father if i were his father it would be dreadful to have him coming in that in that on the installment plan suggested hawkins gravely and proud of being able to help yes dreadful to have him coming in that incoherent way there would be the strain of suspense upon me all the time to have so depressing a thing as a funeral impending delayed waiting unaccomplished oh no my child said the earl reassuringly there would be nothing of that kind so old a gentleman could not endure a long-drawn suspense like that there will be three funerals lady rossmore looked up surprised and said how is that going to make it easier for him it's a total mistake to my mind he ought to be buried all at once i'm sure of it i should think so too said hawkins and certainly i should said the daughter you're all wrong said the earl you will see it yourselves if you think only one of these baskets has got him in it very well then said lady rossmore the thing is perfectly simple bury that one certainly said lady gwendolen but it is not simple said the earl because we do not know which basket he is in we know he is in one of them but that is all we do know you see now i reckon that i was right it takes three funerals there is no other way and three graves and three monuments and three inscriptions asked the daughter well yes to do it right that is what i should do it could not be done so father 
each of the inscriptions would give the same name and the same facts and say he was under each and all of these monuments and that would not answer at all the earl nestled uncomfortably in his chair no he said that is an objection that is a serious objection i see no way out there was a general silence for a while then hawkins said it seems to me that if we mix the three ramifications together the earl grasped him by the hand and shook it gratefully it solves the whole problem he said one ship one funeral one grave one monument it is admirably conceived it does you honor major hawkins it has relieved me of a most painful embarrassment and distress and it will save that poor stricken old father much suffering yes he shall go over in one basket when asked the wife to-morrow immediately of course i would wait mulberry wait why you don't want to break that childless old man's heart god knows i don't then wait till he sends for his son's remains if you do that you will never have to give him the last and sharpest pain a parent can know i mean the certainty that his son is dead for he will never send why won't he because to send and find out the truth would rob him of the one precious thing left him the uncertainty the dim hope that maybe after all his boy escaped and he will see him again some day why polly he'll know by the papers that he was burnt up he won't let himself believe the papers he'll argue against anything and everything that proves his son is dead and he will keep that up and live on it and on nothing else till he dies but if the remains should actually come and be put before that poor old dim hoping soul oh my god they never shall polly you've saved me from a crime and i'll bless you for it always now we know what to do we'll place them reverently away and he shall never know End of chapter 9